Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Sports Beef. Uh, we've been off the air as you probably noticed for a couple of weeks, it's been a busy couple of weeks on the life front, uh, but we're back and ready to go. You've got Bill in London, you got Jeff from the Paulstown service station. How are you Jeff? Good, yeah. Getting that Alan Partridge vibe back <laughs> after my previous reporting size of uh, juries in Birmingham. So this is very partridge esque Uh, It's an absolutely massive week for Irish people, Jeff, as you know, both of the real and plastic variety. (laughs) It's a year, almost a year to the day since we were in Cheltenham for the Gold Cup. Um, Did that trip give you an unquenchable love for national hunt racing? It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely on the list for Irish people to do. Day out Cheltenham. It's Cheltenham Festival this year has completely passed me by. I'm gonna I'm gonna level with everybody out there. It's it's. Uh, I enjoyed the trip last year, but it's just not. I don't know. It's just not. Uh, it's not doing it for me. It's not doing it. Did you not have a few Bob and Maldini each way? <laughs> I, that's, I saw that the horses running today, and I thought there's something I should put a few Bob on. Came in in a second, but didn't uh, didn't get down the bookies in time. No, my, um, my eyes are firmly squared on Twickenham this weekend, Jeff. Um, before before we get into the Six Nations and all the stories around it, I have to go on record and say a massive congratulations to Joe Schmidt and the Ireland coaching team and all the players involved for getting to this point. Like, yeah. we are we are tough on Joe Schmidt on this show. Um, sometimes with good reason. Mainly, I think because we are we look at the game completely differently in that he's an international coach and therefore good at looking at the game. <laughs> um, but they've produced the goods. They've, they've done it. So, um, yeah. And if they get a Grand Slam in an even year, I think I said at the beginning of the tournament, winning away in the two places that we're historically not very good at winning away in, uh, that would be unreal. Yeah. Uh, definitely be a huge achievement, all right. Um, it would be... I think the, the thing about it is it would be Rob, uh, Rob Carney's fourth... Six Nations Championship or it is it is isn't it yeah he was on the 019 yes as well. he was yeah so like you know he has that bit if you ever cross from the street he can pull, pull out those four medals <laughs> yeah. that would make him the most that's probably he would become the mo- well himself and Rory Best they'd be the most de- decorated Irish internationals with with a fourth title ah uh, easily and he's got three hunting cups as well so He's laughing at us, basically. Yeah, I think you owe him. I think we owe an apology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't, we don't, because when he gets found playing against Higgins, he'll be <laughs> to the right. Um, one story that I was cursing while we were on our brief little hiatus, Jeff, I was cursing that we didn't get to address on the show was the retirement of, of Captain Headphones himself, Jamie Heaslip. Um... And I was just, I honestly was, while, while we were away, I was like going, you know what, that's one story now that I'd love to do an episode of Sports Beef on. And just as, just, as it's, just as it's dying away, just as it would be inappropriate for us to address it two weeks after it happened, he writes a letter to himself and publishes it publicly, reigniting my love for this story. <laughs> he couldn't help himself, could he? <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he uh, first of all I you know Jamie's got a few quid with his 
investments than is uh, making shit loads of money for, for 10 years. So he's definitely going to be uh, a good intellectual property lawyer with Derek Jeter's lawyer sent him a cease and desist letter for fucking taking the name Players Tribune and turning it to Players Chronicle. Second of all, OBPR fucking compliance is, up, is, pretty, is pretty good because I have been sent that the Players Chronicle tweet at least three times on Twitter and each time I've pressed the option, I do not like this ad, but it's been fucking promoted to me again. again. <laughs> <laughs> thirdly um, yeah he just just can't help himself someone sent it to me and then I was logged into the Sports Beef Twitter account and I clicked the link and I couldn't get to it because I forgot that he blocked us so we're blocked by Jamie <laughs> Jamie he's the but yeah they... was it, were, were we blocked by, by him for when he was asking about cups the cupping one of those incidents it could, it could have been any one of them what he said you should be more worried about trophies rather than cups cupping in my opinion yeah Sorry, that one. so he's written a letter to himself in something called the Players Chronicle as you've mentioned which is on the face of it a blatant rip off of the Players Tribune um, which is almost the whole he's lip thing in, in microcosm like right it's like just oh I've got a great idea oh someone else has it already okay I'll just do it anyway like because it's cool yeah uh, just like he named his dog after rapper after Noel Harbison named his two dogs after rappers <laughs> there is um, I got about three sentences into the letter to himself before I had to stop but uh, the, the one that tipped me over the edge was um, he starts the letter to himself talking in 2004 when he was nominated for the Junior World Player of the Year award which he subsequently yeah. loses to Jerome Kino and then he says, tell Jerome Kino we'll always have Chicago. It's like, yep. get over yourself. Can you picture Jerome Kino ever writing himself a letter saying, tell Jimmy Heaslip we'll always have Wellington, Crow Park, Loop, New Plymouth and Lansdowne Road. <laughs> Basically the four times he's fucking beaten Jamie Heaslip. It's like, oh yeah. God, uh, it's just it, a fucking it, it, it's, it's, douche it's bomb hard, after douche it's bomb. Just the, the, like, it's, it's too long to have this kind of... Uh, this style over uh, it's like he keeps referencing we because he's talking to himself and about himself it's kind of in the fourth person or something <laughs> and but um, there's a few journals online were tweeting about it and they were just trying to figure out who the, who'd, who'd ghostwritten it because the Players Tribune the original website that he's used used the legal term ripping off um, is uh, the, all, all their stuff was ghostwritten Cheater doesn't write what he writes, or whoever doesn't write what they write. So yeah, so trying to get I I, I plumped for Kimmage. It's kind of Kimmagey, I thought, but um, just a, a, an educated guess. An educated guess. The um, just because that that um, that letter to himself has reignited the whole story. I, I just kind of um, brought me back to uh, like his original state, his original retirement statement, and the. He mentions it again in the letter being a one club man. It's like it's just a concept that doesn't exist in rugby. It's like it's not a it's not a thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He says time time. Yeah, if if you if your one club is 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 Leicester, if he was playing for I don't know Newcastle Falcons or something like that, you'd understand. Yeah. Leicester. 
Uh, he also says, time, time will get us all. It's like, you're not fucking dead, like, do you know what I mean? It's, you're, 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 you're otherwise perfectly healthy, like. Yeah, I, I just think, uh, it's just the whole, it's the whole Troyard thing, like, you can't, you can't help yourself. Um, and, and uh, someone said today about, have you seen this thing with Varad, Leo Varadkar today? Uh, he was making a speech uh, in, in Washington, and he told some anecdote about dealing with Trump or something when he was a minister for energy or something to do with the wind farm here at Trump's hotel or something. Yeah. He said, oh, when I got the call at the start, I thought it was a piss take. And he said that, like, verbatim in the in the White House when he was making the speech and he's been criticised and stuff. And then someone on Twitter just said, like, between this and the Trudeau and socks and the load of actually thing and things, he's just a bit of a tryhard. Like, I think Heathlip is the same. They're just, like, they're just lacking something, like, and they just, they just reach for things that will make them cool or they think will make them look good or smart or whatever and it's just and it, like it's, it's the reason why he's not like the top four or five greatest legends in Irish rugby history like played in a fairly he played in like one of those kind of um, story positions like number eight you know Noel Mannion and all these ones great number eight to the past and all that kind of stuff and he has three hundred cups he's got three six nations he's got a grand slam he has this that and the other thing <laughs> but it's just it's just his, his persona and everything around him just means that he'll never attain that greatness and maybe he doesn't mind he says he kind of <laughs> says it's on he doesn't but you kind of have to think that he does and even the tweets that like fellow Leicester players in particular were tweeting about him like saying you know, oh what a pro and you know it was great playing with him and stuff they were just lacked they lacked that like warmth that you would usually have for like a team like that there was no in joke or nickname or anything like that yeah um just kind of said a lot about him. Without I will, saying anything. I will say about him at all. in his um, in his defence, I will say the 2009 Grand Slam gets remembered for like Draco's four tries for Tommy Bowen, Raj in Cardiff. Um, but he's the was was a major force in the campaign. His signature moment in an Ireland shirt being, I think, the try he scored in Croke Park against France, which was the first try of that that yeah. whole, that whole campaign. And um, he got he got dropped, I think, for the Scotland game, which was the banana skin game in Edinburgh, and came off the bench and scored a try in that. That was that was crucial as well. So yeah, he kind of gets he kind of gets forgotten in the um, when people think back of the the kind of iconic moments of that Grand Slam campaign. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, exactly. I mean, even if you bring those things into it, they're. If, if if anyone else had done them, like to be seared in people's memory, <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's, it's it's kind of sad in a way, to be honest. Uh, but if it doesn't affect, if it doesn't bother him, fair enough. Um, but maybe cease and desist letter from Derek Cheater's lawyers might bother might bother him a bit more. Couple of couple of stats for you, Jeff. He um, his first cap was against the Pacific Islands in the in the final international at the Old Lansdowne Road. Can you tell me who else yeah. made their debut in that game? I can. Luke Fitzgerald and Stephen Ferris. Oh, Jeff JC came to play today. Um, <laughs> he is. He scored 13 tries for in his Ireland career. That puts him as 14th all-time uh, for Ireland. Level with which current Ireland international? 
Rob Carney? Yes, it is Rob Carney. Correct. <laughs> two for two. Um, Rob Carney. Have we talked about Rob Carney's scoring ratio on the show before? And how fucking no, terrible it is? <laughs> I think it was Dave Carney's we went to town on. Is his, uh, his Leinster scoring record we went to town on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Rob Carney has 82 caps, or it, it might be 83 caps, and 13 tries for Ireland. Jacob Stockdale, 8 caps, 10 tries. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, hey, Rob got man of the match against Scotland despite not giving two left-handed passes to Keith Earls for certain tries. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what you, I've just realised why he gets picked when he gets man the match it's the commando role he does when he, get, when he carries the ball into contact like Joel loves that he loves that more than anything that's, that's it I mean if you had if, uh, if, you had your, if you had your granny playing full back and she could commando role she'd get picked <laughs> actually Trimble was a man for that as well now that I think about it yeah it's a good point one two get down sports beef I'm a, I think I'm a special one. Time flies. Happy one. My third season in Porto, I didn't have a third season. Time flies. My third season in Inter, I didn't have a third season. Time flies. My third season at Chelsea, I won the FA Cup, the Carlin Cup, and I played the Champions League semi-final. Time flies. The third season in Real Madrid, I won the Super Cup, I lost the Cup Final, I went to the Champions League semi-final. Time flies. These are my third seasons, so... Click Google instead of make stupid questions. Click Google and try to find. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about Twicken about the weekend. F- good news first, I finally secured a ticket. We can we can, we can we can all power down everyone out there, all the people that have had searching for weeks to find me a ticket for this game. It is finally secured. And it's not that scam company that's been doing the rounds, though. Know? How good was that story? <laughs> that's a well-done scam, in fairness. Like. Great scam. For those, uh, for those who haven't seen this, the Evening Standard over here has reported on a dummy hospitality corp uh, company that for months has been duping big business here in the UK into buying fake hospitality boxes and tickets to... England, England Six Nations internationals, and they have been successful. To it is a, it is estimated to the tune of one million pounds. Yeah. And some of the quotes in that piece, I can't believe people went on the record with those quotes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like a bit of a numpty and stuff like this. <laughs> if, you, if you got scammed, you're going on background. Definitely. Oh, big time! It's like um, an, a, a source close to the close to the incident. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. And, the, and uh, it, they had a nice little touch. They had the company set up and everything. Um, they bought the company off someone for like a pound or something, but never never changed the directors and stuff like that. So somebody said that when they when they got approached by this company, they went on to the company's house, which is, I, know, I appreciate the due diligence, uh, 
and we're like, oh, okay, this, this is a legit company. Fair enough. They, they do exist. So, you know, and then all the money's gone. Yeah, so actually, I can't actually vouch for 100%. I do not have the ticket in my hand, so I could well have fallen victim to this scam as, as a kind of like a secondary victim. That's all good. Team news, the teams are out. Uh, let's start with England. Massive change, all change, and Eddie Jones seems to have decided to stop fucking around and just pick his best team for this one. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> this game, yeah, that's what I was thinking. He's definitely picked his best, uh, his best backline, more or less. Maybe Elliot Daly instead of Johnny May, but Daly might be injured. So, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for Ireland that he's, he's gone with... Uh, Wigglesworth, Farrell, Theo, and Joseph. Yeah, which we've been long, like well, I've been long calling for anyway. I just think Ford is just too much of a luxury, um, particularly particularly in defence, but also in attack. If you if you if if that England pack, which usually they do get on top, when they do get on top, it doesn't need to be complicated out wide. And with Theo, you know, there's that directness, and you know Joseph. And Daly and Watson out wide will will punish anyone with a with a bit of space. So it doesn't need to be hugely complicated from an England perspective. And um, yeah, just give Owen Farrell the keys to the car. Like that's that would be a no brainer for for anybody else. Up front, though, up front was where they're having the problems. And um, a lot's being made of this this um, this supposed plan that Eddie Jones has to only commit one person to the rook. Uh, there's one incident from the Scotland game that really stood out for me and there's there's been very few stories about this but there has been one or two about Mar- Maro Atoje and second season syndrome and kind of what basically trying to figure out what's what's up with Maro Atoje but there's one incident at a rock at a breakdown in, in the Scotland game where he comes in he he looks like his his main aim is to hit the Scottish guy as hard as he can and to hurt to hurt him basically. He looks like he wants to hurt him. He's he slams him to the ground over to the side of the rook. Never once gets over the ball, never gets past the ball, and it's a and it's a Scottish turnover. And it's like just completely forgot his actual primary function, which was to protect the ball and get over the ball and secure the ball. Yeah. And you know, that's that's played out in that Scotland game. Played out almost exactly the same way in the French game. Just, yeah, just the inability to secure, you know, their their own ball. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose that's the the issue in front as well. I mean, with that back row, you know, if you're thinking about securing your own ball, you're probably thinking about playing underhill. Uh, don't know, Simmons plays there. You said don't know if he's that's going to be his job. He's got kind of build, but uh, obviously Haskell and and uh, Robshaw are sixes. Robshaw probably six and a half at best. So yeah, I, I, that, that could be could be an issue for them. With the pack selection for England in this tournament, they've gone for Launchbury and Atoje. And if you were to if you to class them, if you think there's like two types of second rows, there's like your hard man, and then there's like there's your luxury athlete. The problem with picking a Toji and Launchbury is that they're two. There's no hard man, right? It's like, whereas, and that's why they had to play Laws at six because you needed an enforcer. But then if you play Laws at six and Robshaw is undroppable, then your back row is out of balance. And they just had this this kind of domino effect in selection 
where the pack was just never never quite right and yeah and especially if you play that into the front row as well you've got Dan Cole who's there just to scrummage offers you nothing around the field and you know contrast him to like the type of athlete that Tyke Furlong is or the type of athlete that Andrew Porter is and he's just he, he looks like a generation removed from a current front row forward right whereas this pack they've selected with with uh, Sinclair coming in at, th- at at tight head, Cruz bringing that hard edge to the second row, and the back row looking a little bit more balanced. It's 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 it looks to me a much different England pack. So I I, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's very strange circumstance to be have the title title um, wrapped up with a week to go, but still be like sk- staring over the cliff edge, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like finishing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a unique position for Ireland um, to be in, I believe. And the, the uh, yeah, it, it's it's just set up for an ambush in the way that Ireland have ambushed, ambushed England three times, I think, in the last 15 years or so. Um, and, then, and then when you put on top of that, you, say, you talk about this pack looking better and uh, it's probably Jones probably picking his his best backline, and uh, and when you think about where Ireland's weaknesses are, which are, uh, you know, with the ball goes wide outside the thirteen channel, though Ringrose, Ringrose added something a bit different there when the defence is, is his speed, so much first couple yards is enough to scrag people and stuff like that, like Hugh Jones again against Scotland. So maybe that's sure that would be But when you look at Joseph at thirteen, and then you look at the, the winger and. and and Watson at 15 it's, it's set up to exploit that and if you can get quick ball at Theo um, and say this back row even on that huge fan of that back row they can they can secure a ball quickly uh, and you have Joseph then offered himself against the disorganised Irish back line we could, we could be in a bit of bother yeah I, th- I think just on the outside channel defence for Ireland which I don't know if I feel like regular listeners to the show must be sick to the back teeth of us going on about um, but Stockdale has got two intercept tries in the last two games but in the Welsh game that same kind of biting line that he that he ran in defence was was one of the primary causes for the Shingler try um, then in, in multi-phase defence when we're defending like a multi-phase attack Levy has been done twice in the outside channel. He was exposed badly again against Scotland. Yeah. Biting down hard in that in that 13 channel when he's found himself defending there. <clears throat> so I would share your I would share your concern. It, it will obviously come back to the to the forward battle and whether we can like France and Scotland have done stop them getting front football and and make um make the defending a little bit easier. But but shit, if we're if we're if we're going backwards, um, you know, it could be a long day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the Ireland team, then we've got one change in that Ian Henderson returns to partner James Ryan in the second row, with Devon Toner dropping to the dropping to the bench, sticking with uh, Jordan Larmer at number twenty three, which is promising, and uh, Joey Carberry obviously nailed on as the substitute out half. We speculated earlier in the season that uh, the bench spot in Twickenham might be might be might have Ian Coltier O'Keatley written all over it but alas it's not to be yeah. he's, uh, he's keeping his powder dry for a, 
smallest t-shirt ever and he has to grow his butt ours is a pair of Joey Carberry shorts <laughs> um, but who are we kidding though like this this Ireland team will be will be will be fully prepared right It'll, it's going to be um, it's going to be it's going to be a great battle yeah 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 it's going to be good it's going to be like you can't the confidence they have, I, like it's just a bit of a role reversal. I mean, if say put it this way, if, if Ireland had had two losses like England have had, uh, and, and are on a, were on a downward trajectory, and were playing England, who are already Grand Slam champions at home, um, you know, they'd be like, they think, oh, you know, they, they might do a job, or they might do a job on them, or whatever, but. I don't think it's 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 a bit it'll be a bit more like that. Uh, it's, it, it looks a bit more like that. Um, the Grand Slam decider where Johnson made Mary McAleese walk off the pitch or walk off the red the red carpet. Yeah. Uh, where it's kind of it's kind of set up. Maybe we'll do a job on them, and then they're just the first period team and just beat the shit out. <laughs> yeah, I set up in that we're a far superior team than them. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I just think, like, if it was a role reversal and Ireland had lost to Scotland and France... Yeah. We, we, just, wouldn't, we, just, wouldn't be as ne- we shouldn't be as negative as we're speaking right now, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's just... And, uh, if they win it, you were talking about the, the odd year or whatever, but if they win us... If Ireland win the Grand Slam, like, this way, with the pressure on them, more or less... Uh, you know, expectation and being favoured going into a game, and they win. It's got like it's it's set Ireland up nicely for the next couple of years, and the, obviously Ireland has been the World Cup because you know the, we we we'll have, we'll have done we'll have done all those things that we probably had hadn't done before since since the World Cup. So we beat New Zealand, um, and then we'll have. We've won a Six Nations final, but we'll have won a Grand Slam where we were favourites going into winners, um, and we can deal, we can handle the favourites tags, the favourites tag, um, and it's it'll, it'll be just, it's it's definitely is it the biggest game of Smith's career? Like as Ireland coach, arguable that uh, the Argentina quarterfinal or whatever, but he's got to get a shot of redemption at that 2019. But this is this is the last chance to. To, uh, with a grand slam, the hard way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think we need to be uh, we need to we need to be positive that when like the Six Nations, it takes a while for the narratives to appear. Right? It takes a while for you know teams to the trend of a team to be established. And any time, whether it was. A Welsh team, a resurgent Welsh team, or or a swashbuckling Scottish team, this Ireland team has snuffed out both of those narratives ruthlessly. Yeah. And there's no reason why we can't confirm the English narrative, which is a team in fucking crisis. And while they've looked upon potentially Eddie Jones has looked upon his best team. The, these guys are under pressure to pull something out of their out of their arse, and that that can mean that they force it too, right? So the uh, 
Yeah, it's going to be a cracker. I can't wait. Literally can't wait. I'm going to yeah, be like 14 bites yeah. deep. I, <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait either. Just like, I wish it was <clears throat> 2 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Wales, France and Scotland, Italy also happening for the minor places. Uh, if you're a betting man, it's a Scotland minus 17 in Rome. And uh, Wales are minus 8 at home against France. Uh, the Ireland-England game, interestingly, is a complete pick It's minus 0.5 um, to the home team, to England. Yeah. Which is which is just like a, it's as good as a pick Yeah. So that blows me out of the water. I said Ireland are favourites, but I suppose uh, if, if, if when, there's, when the papers come out on Saturday morning and people are nailing the colours to the mask, I would presume majority of journalists will be picking Ireland. Yeah. Hey, do you know how to get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, man. Practice. Yeah. Practice? I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about sports beef. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. How the hell can I make my teammates better by practice? We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We ain't talking about the game. We're talking about practice, man. When you come in the arena and you see me play, you see me play, don't you? But we're talking about practice right now. We're not even talking about the game, the actual game, when it matters. We're talking about practice. Just hitting some other stories, Jeff, that that were that came out while um, we were off the air. Canelo Alvarez, I don't know if you saw this. He went with the he had a positive doping test, and he went with the Alberto Contador defense. Um, I've been eating loads of beef from Mexico, <laughs> and Mexican Mexican beef gets gets injected with juice to 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 make it bigger and beefier. He honestly does. <laughs> Clem Buterol or whatever, isn't it? Or, Sa- or something, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one you blame on beef. 100%. West Ham fans are revolting against um, the Dildo Brothers, as they're, as, they're, <laughs> as they're colloquially known, David Sullivan and David Gold. Uh, I find it hilarious when football fans fail to understand the business uh, that they're involved in. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. It's actually hilarious when you see grown men reduced to tears for entirely understandable uh, and quantifiable kind of things that occur. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe that sounds heartless, but it's like. Yeah. I always get a, I always get a chuckle out out, out of it. But he, but here's the thing. I I. I have a certain amount of sympathy because I always think one thing that annoys me is when there's a fight in the stands or a pitch invasion or something happens or someone is getting or players getting booed or abused or whatever and people say oh they're not the real fans they're not the real fans you know hold on a sec they're the real fans real fans really give really fucking care about this sort of stuff so 
you know, they care enough maybe thrown onto the pitch and grab the corner flag. You look, you look like a fucking idiot, but <laughs> you obviously care. You care enough to boo certain people who might have played out half for Ireland for because <laughs> you care about the team. If you think the fact that they're starting or playing is bad for the team, they actually do care. I, I just, I, I, I never get that thing where there's, oh, it's just Johnny come lately, they're booing, or it's just the corporate crowd. No, it's not. The people who actually give a shit. The people who, who don't care aren't booing. The people who don't care aren't, uh, wave, or, aren't doing pitch invasions, or, or, by and large, aren't the ones fighting the fighting Millwater, like that position bats or whatever. <laughs> I think, I, I would tend to agree with you, but I would also tend to say that there is such a thing as caring too much, Jeffrey. That's probably true. I mean, people do have to have a look at themselves when they're men in their late forties and fifties doing this. That's to be said. Or when you've got a, a poetic five-minute monologue that you post to YouTube about uh, about your experience as a as a fan. <laughs> um, That's it. But the big one, Jeff, the big story that obviously broke while we uh, since we last the show was the publication of that Parliamentary Select Committee Digital Media, Digital Culture, Media and Sport uh, Parliamentary Select Committee on uh, on Team Sky, TUEs, the Jiffy Bag, the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm, I'm, I've been on a victory lap. I've been like walking around, <laughs> walking around shaking my fist around the place, just taking applause for the last two weeks. Have you, um, you, you might have there front of the, the Jonathan Liu article from The Independent now. Yeah, this is the chief, the Independent's chief sports writer, Jonathan Liu. Um, I will pull it up right now, but it's an excellent piece, and we will we will tweet it out. Where he, um, this is the one where he says that we are, we are all collectively responsible, effectively. Yeah. But something that, 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 that hit hard, deep to the heart just forced me where he said, some people just want to be right about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't really care about the internet that are the right wrong they just want to be right about saying that they thought X, Y, or Z person was stupid or that. Yeah, the, the, um, it's how we score points. It's We score points by being correct. <laughs> yeah. uh, how Team Sky's fairy tale rise and crushing fall can be seen as a sad parable of our own wretched nature. <laughs> I know. And that uh, that's for that's for everyone to look at themselves, not just the uh, not just the um, the protagonists in the story. But uh, the nuts and bolts bolts of it are: we just get too carried away when there there's a split that occurs when something positive happens, right? It's like there's the people that want to believe the story in its purest form and don't care about you know, the little threads that might be hanging out the the, the side of it. And yeah. there are the people that just want to pull the threads. <laughs> like it's it it is this divergence that occurs in human nature, right? Where where there's the the, the willful ignorance and the overly cyn- overly cynic cynical, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but I think like the the cyclism you have to approach cyclism from uh, ultra, not even sceptical, but probably cynical point of view. And uh, the fact that that it was the post that sense and, and the fact that, you know, I, you, you know about it, I don't know the technicalities of it, but things like Wiggins, who's a track cyclist and all this 
dropping, dropping like renowned climbers and things like that. And fellas coming from nowhere, through more or less coming from nowhere. Uh, the, the fact that they're all so sick allegedly all the time, but still winning grand tours. It, look, it just it 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 was. The, some journalists really covered it well. Obviously, Tim is the one we all know, but then. Dan Rowan and BBC did a pretty good job on it well. Henry Winter as well and then Daily Mail did a good job on covering it. But obviously David Walsh is the is the is the elephant in the room with regards how how on the face of it there were so many similarities with lads, but just completely ignored on the the, the little trend as he said and just completely bought into it and, and allowed himself to become a cheerleader. I have sympathy for David Walsh in this in this in this story though because it's an it it, it to Jonathan Liu's piece right it's it's if you put the mirror up to yourself right it, the difference between the two stories is is one of access right it's he was he was given access to the team and the team did a job of convincing him so who's to say that if if Lance hadn't been so antagonistic to people he couldn't have done the same to, yeah. to any of the journalists who kind of didn't believe what they saw on face value. So, like, he he's an imperfect person as we as we all are, and as as Jonathan Liu also said, we just the rest of us just want to be right. So <laughs> it's like it's a it's yeah. a it's a tricky one, but so but it's, 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 it's a funny one that like him and Kim is around the page, same page so much for Lance, and then. They were so divergent then on Team Sky, but you know the the the, the question marks, the red flags, they were obviously not the same, but they were, they were similar. There. Yeah, and either it should have been should have been the best game. As you said, he did have a lot of access, but I don't know what they call regulatory capture, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's. has one too you know <laughs> but anyway that's um, that's uh, that's it for this week that's all we got time for on um, on this week's episode of Sports Beef don't forget to join the conversation on Twitter at Sports Beef Pod Instagram Sports Beef Pod SportsBeef.net is the, is the website where the blog is uh, you can also get all our sounds and mixes on um, on SportsBeef.net uh, Jeff, anything you uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, no, just congratulations on getting married. That's the elephant in the room. Why we said that? And what? Why we for two weeks? <laughs> and thank you. And I'll be going on honeymoon in another week and a half. So that'll be like another three weeks with no show. So just to manage okay. everyone's well, expectations. Okay, we'll take that offline. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff will be manning the show solo. Uh, <laughs> But, okay, yeah, just, just, just 
just create a WhatsApp uh, sound file and uh, send it on to you. <laughs> but we're left with the question, can Rory Best follow in the footsteps of Carl Mullen, Brian O'Driscoll and Fiona Coughlin and become only the fourth Irish captain to lead, to lead Ireland to a Grand Slam? Uh, all, yeah, I hope so. All will be revealed on Saturday. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll chat to you all very soon. Good luck. Bruges is like a fairy tale, isn't it, with the bridges and the canals and whatnot? Yeah, it's it really is lovely. Like the Belgians have it down completely with beer, chocolate, waffles, uh, chips. Yeah, chips. Yeah, it's fucking great. Yeah. And Belgian beer drunk is a very it's a it's a unique kind of drunk. <laughs> kind of a wobbly kind of haze comes over you. Really, it's kind of cool. <laughs>